Welcome to Focused on Forward. The purpose of this podcast is to focus on recovery from life situations, be it a disease, chronic or acute, perhaps the loss of someone so dear to you in death, or a change of life patterns that has affected you so profoundly that you have no choice but to find your new normal and become focused on moving forward. Each episode is designed to show the positivity that people bring to each and every one of their stories, the successes they've had, ways that they have become so definitively focused on moving forward. We look forward to sharing their stories, and we hope that they inspire you just as much as they have inspired us. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to Focused on Forward. Today, we have uh, the privilege of speaking with Rhiannon Baker, and I'm really excited to talk with Rhiannon because she has... uh, well, a unique story, perhaps one that we haven't covered here uh, yet on Focused on Forward, and maybe one that you have not thought that um, is maybe something you only see in movies and, and things along those lines or TV shows for dramatic effect and things like that. But Rhiannon's story bears our attention, and her reaction to her story, I think, is where uh, where the power of her story really is, because what she's doing now, we're, and we, which we will get to. And so, Rhiannon, thank you so much for being a guest on Focused on Forward. I'm excited to have you on the show today, and I'm excited to hear um, not only your story, but more importantly, I'm excited to get to the point of your story with what you're doing now today and how you've been able to become focused on forward in your life and move forward. Well, thank you so much for having me today. So, yeah, I think this will be an educational conversation for for not only myself, but for my audience as well, where we get to see a different story, perhaps, and maybe one that we've covered before. And, and they'll be able to see uh, new avenues and, and ways that people can navigate around issues and traumas in their life. So whenever you're ready, please share your story with us. Okay. Um, my story, I'm going to start when I was 19 years old. I was a college student. Um, and I was in between my sophomore and junior year of college. Um, and I had dropped a friend off at work. We both worked at the local Olive Garden that summer and I had dropped her off for a shift. Um, and on my way home, I decided I was going to stop and wash my car. No big deal. Ordinary day. Um, however, while I was at that car wash, my life, um, took a turn, a very unexpected turn. Um, I was washing my car. It was just one of those self-service car washes where you stand with the wand and there's a countdown you plug. Well, I don't use them anymore. At the time you plugged quarters in. I don't know if they still take quarters or debit cards now, but (laughs) I think both actually. Okay. Um, so I had plugged my quarters in and was washing my car. And the next thing I knew, somebody had come up from behind me and he put his hand over my mouth with one hand and his other hand held a knife to my throat. Um, and I was, uh, I, I can't even describe what I was thinking. It all happened so fast. Um, sure. I was kind of in, immediate state of shock. Like my brain couldn't even keep up with what was going on. Um, I was confused. I thought it was somebody I knew playing a bad joke. Um, and then when I heard him speak, I knew that was not a voice that I recognized. 
um, he drug me around to the next stall where his car was parked and he proceeded to shove me onto the floor of his car. Uh, he handcuffed me with my hands behind my back and he got in and we drove off. Um, so we drove, I don't know how long we drove. We drove probably 30, 45 minutes. Um, I could tell we were no longer in Tulsa because we had, there were fewer stops. So no stop signs or stoplights. Uh, and then when we turned onto a gravel road, I knew things were going to get even worse than they already were. Um, the entire time we were driving, he was yelling at me, swearing, uh, threatening to kill me. Um, I was very, very afraid. Um, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to say. Um, I was just trying to figure out how I could get out of that situation. Uh, we finally did come to a stop. Um, and at that point, uh, he um, blindfolded me. He put a stocking cap over my head um, so that I couldn't see. Um, now, a stocking cap, it's knit, so I could sort of, you know, it's knit, and you can kind of, as you might be able to imagine, you can kind of see through the holes, and like at the bottom, I could look down and see out of it, but for the most part, I was blindfolded, okay. um, and I'm not going to go into the details, but no, that's fine. Will, he repeatedly raped and sexually assaulted me, um, and then... Um, he got spooked. It had turned night and there, I, I don't know who it was. I'm guessing it was a farmer just based on approximately where we were. Um, but somebody saw us and I'm assuming they had no idea what was going on. They just kind of yelled at us to leave. Um, so at that point we got back in his car and started to drive again and um, as he was yelling at me again, um, this time he was telling me to put my clothes back on and he was still swearing at me and still threatening me um, to stay down. Um, I could tell we were in a place where there was more cars because I could see the headlights, I could see the light. Um, and so the car started to slow down. I, um, I didn't know, I assumed it was a stop sign or something that he was coming to a stop for. So the car started to slow down and I just kind of crossed my fingers, said a prayer and opened the door and fell out into the ditch. Um, immediately popped right back up and started running. Uh, I ran into the middle of the road where um, there was a truck that was coming forward and um, flagged it down. Um, I didn't care if that car hit me. It was going to stop one way or another. <laughs> sure. um, and so I got in, I ran around to the side that the truck did stop. I ran around to the side, climbed in and just yelled at him to go. Um, and so he took off. Um, I don't, 
remember what I said, or I, at that point I was hysterical. I was crying, screaming. Um, Understandable, was, sure. I was a mess. Um, but he did call 911 on his cell phone. Um, the police directed him to a gas station that was not too far away. And the police met me at that gas station. Um, and so it was a female officer that first responded. Um, I kind of fell out of that car again. I just, my, I couldn't hardly stand up. I was just emotionally, uh, a wreck. Um, so I, the police officer, she had me get in her car and she actually had the driver of the truck lead us back to where he had found me. Um, and so that's what we did. We went back to where I had been found and my attacker's car was still there. Um, turns out it had broken down, which was why we were coming to a stop. Um, and so the police officer got out, other more police showed up. Um, they were, they had search dogs out looking for him. They had the search helicopter with the spotlight oh, out. Wow. Uh, it was a scene out of a movie. Um, and I was right, I was just dropped right down into the middle of it. Um, I remember I was just sitting, I was in the police car by myself at that point, um, listening to the police radio talk about me and what was going on. And it was, it was a surreal experience. Um, and I, there was a, the police officer had a teddy bear in her car and I just clung to that teddy bear and just cried. Um, it was quite a while before, um, they ended up taking me to the hospital. Um, so I could do a rape exam. Mm -hmm. Um, a detective showed up at the hospital where I was able to give a statement. Um, in the middle of that statement, they let me know that they had found somebody that they wanted me to take a look at. Um, okay. And that's, that's kind of how they, they didn't say we caught the guy or we think they didn't say anything like that. They just said, we have somebody we want you to take a look at. Okay. <laughs> so, um, so they, they had me leave the hospital at, at this time. It's in the middle of the night now. Um, mm -hmm. and so we went outside and there was a man sitting in the back seat of the police car. Um, and I was able to identify him and his clothing that he had been wearing. Um, he had a very distinctive belt and I was, as soon as I saw it, it was just like, I, there was no doubt in my mind. Um, and so they did catch him that same night. Um, because his car had broken down, they were able to track him down and they found him at home. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's when my whole life, I mean, obviously my life kind of fell apart. Um, well, sure. I, I can fast forward through different parts. I don't, I'm not sure where to go next with my story actually. Well, well let, let's do this. Let's, um, I'm not going to ask you about specific 
specific questions about the incident itself. We'll 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 let your statement be what it is for that. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, uh, because there, there's really no need to go into to more detail uh, on, on any of that. But let's talk about the after effects. Now, you, you, you've gone through this horrible, traumatic event, and I'm so sorry that anyone, including you, even has to even have this be part of their memory. But what were the initial after effects for you when you got back to your home, mm-hmm. your, you know, your bed, your pillow, what were the initial after effects for you? Um, so my parents had been called. Um, I was living in a different state from them um, because I was away for college. Sure. And so they immediately had gotten in their car and I don't even want to know how fast my dad was speeding down the highway. <laughs> well, I can speak um, as, a, as a father. Um, yeah. There, there is not a, a number on the speedometer that would be fast enough. Exactly. Yeah. They made it, they did make it in record time. So, um, they arrived at the rental house that I was staying at for the summer. Um, shortly, I mean, cause I was at the hospital for quite a long period of time. Um, so they arrived shortly after, um, the friend that I had dropped off at work, she, that she had seen my car at the car wash and the police were there. And so she had stopped. And so the police ended up bringing her to the hospital. So she was with me, um, at my house. Um, the guy that I had been dating at the time was, he came to the house. Um, and I was just, I was shaken. Uh, as you might imagine, um, crying, just in a state of disbelief. Um, I remember taking a shower and just like sitting on the floor of the shower, um, just sobbing, just, um, it, it was on one hand, I was in disbelief. On the other hand, I was just full of emotions. Like I couldn't believe what had just happened to me. Um, I had a lot of trouble falling asleep that night, ended up, um, sleeping there. I think there were three or four of us that were like crammed into my little full size bed, (laughs) just all sleeping together. Um, because I, I didn't want to be left alone. I I thought there was safety in numbers and I wanted as many people as possible. Um, so it was, and I think, you know, like nobody knew what to say to me. Um, it, there were a lot of hugs, a lot of tears from everybody. Um, because nobody, nobody teaches you what to say or what to do when something like that happens. Right. There's not a, there's not a rape preparedness class. No, no. This is how you'll feel afterwards. These, this is what you'll do afterwards. Right. And it's all different for everybody, of course, but, um, I remember, I don't know if it was the next day or two days later, um, everybody wanted to go out to dinner and that scared the crap out of me. 
um, I didn't want to leave the house. And I remember thinking that like everybody in the restaurant was going to see me and know. Um, I mean, it had been on the mm-hmm. news. My name sure. and my picture weren't shared, but I still had this feeling that everybody was going to see me and know sure. what had happened to me. Somehow, some way, have an I an I way to ID you. Right. And so I was just, I didn't want to leave. Um, Understandable, I think. It's, it's kind of funny. I remember there was, um, I ended up sleeping on the couch, I guess, the second night. And my cat had crawled up on the sofa with me. And I don't remember, something had startled her or anyway, somehow I got this huge cat scratch across my face. And I remember at the time, I mean, it looked, it got swollen. I have kind of an allergy to cats and cat scratches. So it, sw- it got swollen. And I just remember thinking, I was like, and everybody was making a fuss about this cat scratch. <laughs> and I remember thinking, I was like, it, it was just symbolic to me, even at the time, like you could see the cat scratch and could right. see the discomfort and the pain, but nobody could see or understand the emotional discomfort and pain that I was feeling. Um, and right. it just, it really, you know, if you lose an arm and everybody can sympathize what it's like to lose an arm and, but nobody can really understand what it's like to be kidnapped and, and right. attacked. Um, yeah, and that's one of the problems with trauma, isn't it? Is that yeah. you know, the trauma, the trauma it, that people go through is is theirs and, and only theirs. And it's hard for people to unpack that, to be able to explain it to someone else. Because uh, as you mentioned just a, a moment ago, um, sometimes that when we're dealing and processing traumas, there's irrational fears that are attached to them because of what we've gone through. And it seems rational at the moment and, you know, um, was your fear of going to the restaurant rational at the moment? Maybe not, but it was seemed rational to you because of what you had just gone through, because you were still, you were very much in a post-traumatic system, uh, yeah. situation at that moment. So, but you're absolutely right. Explaining to someone who hasn't gone through it, the, the trauma that you've gone through, you know, uh, it can be highly difficult. And yeah, I can see why it would seem like the ultimate and irony that they'd be more concerned about the cat scratch than what you'd gone through. Yeah. Uh, I, even today, many years later, I still find that there are sometimes just inadequate words in the, mm-hmm. in our language to, to describe and explain uh, what I went through and what I was feeling and what I was thinking. Um, they're just aren't the right words, even now, 20 some years later. I can, I can believe that. So let's, let's talk about moving forward. You, you've gone through all these things. You're, you've gotten your family, your friends around you. You're, you're trying to, you know, rebuild the, the walls of your fortress again. So how, how did you move forward? What were the first steps that you took to help, Rhiannon move forward? Um, well, I will say initially I was probably not moving forward so much. Uh, I was just surviving. I was in survival mode. Um, 
I did have to withdraw from school for a semester. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was just too much for me to, to handle. Um, I was trying to work and do school and, and stay sane (laughs) and it wasn't working. It just didn't happen. Um, I did seek out counseling almost immediately. Um, and I, my first, I would say the first few years actually were very, I had severe post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, I had panic attacks and flashbacks and nightmares and, um, it, it was, and I was scared of my own shadow. I mean, it was, it was bad. It was really bad. Um, I did graduate from college on time. No, nonetheless. Um, and it was more of a determination to prove that I was okay. I I had to prove it to myself and I felt like I had to prove it to others that I was going to be okay. Um, and so I graduated, I ended up in the workforce. Um, even though I was still just in inside, I was an emotional wreck. It looked Mm -hmm. like on the outside, like I was doing okay, but inside I was not. Right. Um, Well, you'd put a protective shell on you to, so it looked okay. Yes. Yes. Um, and so people who didn't know what I had been through, I mean, they had no idea there was anything else going on. Um, and I kind of went through the motions for many years, um, just living my life by going through the motions. Um, I wasn't enjoying life. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just still in that survival mode. Um, it took me many years of therapy. Um, and it wasn't until I did a therapy called EMDR that really helped with my PTSD symptoms okay. that I started to make significant strides in healing. Um, and it was, it was a struggle. I had to fight and fight really hard. Um, some days it was a fight just to get out of bed, but I'm a fighter. I have learned, (laughs) um, I have strength that I didn't know that I had. Uh, and you, sometimes you don't know that until you're put to the test. Right. And I definitely was put to the test. Um, and so it was, but after, after many years of counseling and internal processing, um, I was finally what I would call stable and normal as, as normal as normal can be anyway. Right. Sure. Sure. So, uh, for our audience, if you don't mind, if, if it's something you're comfortable talking about, can you tell us what EMDR is and how it helped you? Oh, gosh. Okay, so it stands for eye movement. Gosh, I should know this. Eye movement something. Okay. Um, Fair enough. Anyway, it's I'm not a psychologist (laughs) um, or a therapist. I don't remember what it stands for. But basically, um, it's a sensory deal. So 
Um, uh, I, it's I a way of processing trauma within the brain, um, of regulating it and mm -hmm. processing it. So it actually serves to rewire mm -hmm. your brain in many aspects. Um, it's used a lot with, with veterans who okay. have PTSD. Um, I think that's actually where it originated is with veterans. Um, and it just, that's what it's designed to do is, is rewire your brain. Yeah, I just looked it up. It's uh, eye movement, desensitization and reprocessing. There you go. Curious minds had to know. So, yes. uh, so what was it about EMDR that, that kind of stuck with you? Because there's different types of therapies that, that different people use, uh, whether it's just sitting down and count, you know, and counseling and talking with somebody and talking through their issues uh, and some need more advanced forms of therapy and to, to help regulate what they're dealing with and everything else. So what was it about EMDR that, that worked for you? Um, I had never heard of it. Um, I had been to multiple therapists, um, doing traditional talk therapy, um, with varying degrees of mm -hmm. success, which is why I kept moving from one therapist to another is because I felt like I would plateau with somebody and wasn't getting any more sure. anywhere. Um, so this particular therapist that I had landed with, um, after a couple of sessions, she's like, you know, I want to try something called EMDR with you. Um, and I was, I had no idea after she described it to me, I thought it was a stupid idea. <laughs> it sounded like some, I don't know, out there idea because the, um, the way she did it now, there's different ways to do it, but the way she did it was she would hold an object in front of me and just side to side go like that. And I was supposed to follow her, her, I think it was a pin that she used, follow the pin with my eyes. And I was okay. like, is this hypnosis? Or I was just like, this isn't going to do anything. This is dumb. But <laughs> I, I was like, okay, what the heck? We'll try it. Worst case scenario. I'm no better. I'm no worse. It's just a silly idea. Um, but what she would have me do is we would, she would, um, have me think about like one specific aspect, whether that be the moment he attacked me at the car wash or whether that be, um, while I was on the floor of his car driving or whether it was in the middle of the attack itself. Um, she would have me focus on a particular area and then we would do the back and forth with my eyes. Um, and then she would ask me like, what are you thinking? How are you feeling? And so I would tell her and she's like, hold on to that. And then we would do the process again, where we just with the eye movement and, um, you know, and it's kind of like, okay, now where are you? What are you doing? And how are you feeling? Uh, and we just would do that for an entire session. Um, and it wasn't the, we would do just short talks in between mm -hmm. the eye movement. But so it wasn't like your traditional talk therapy where you sit down and talk it out the whole session. Right. Um, it was just very focused and 
I would always leave feeling very emotional, like just emotionally spent, um, exhausted. And after, I don't know, I don't remember how many sessions, but after it, it wasn't very many sessions of it where I started, um, like my nightmares weren't mm -hmm. as bad. Um, my flashbacks weren't as bad. I oh, wasn't nice. having as many panic attacks. Um, and so I was like, wow, this actually might be doing something. Cause I had spent years in just regular therapy mm -hmm. and was still having the severe symptoms, but after just, you know, a handful of these EMDR sessions, I could notice a difference. Um, so I just That's continued. Great. And I mean, I still will have nightmares occasionally, but nothing like what I used to have. Well, I think with what you've been through in your life, I think that that's bound to happen. I think yes. you're bound to have some flashbacks. You're bound to have some nightmares. And unfortunately, uh, what I hate to even call him a person uh, did, uh, you know, has, has left a, an indelible mark on your life. So, yes. okay. So, well, I'm glad that, that the EMDR has has helped been able to help you and has been able to help you move forward in life. I, in all honesty, before today, I had never heard of it, but uh, I have a page here from the, uh, uh, which I'll be looking up a little bit more on, uh, the American Psychology Association and their review of EMDR and, and some information there and what it's about and everything. So, um, yeah, I never heard of it. So I, I think it's kind of cool. I, I'm learning something today. So that's yeah. great. Um, okay. So what are you doing now? What are you doing today? Um, I am an, I'm actually a practicing attorney today. Uh, I went to law school, um, was very successful in law school. I've been out of school for, let me do the math here, 12 years. Okay. Um, so I've been, I do, I practice in civil litigation, um, I don't do I, I knew I couldn't do anything criminal that was just hit too close to home and sure. um, I wasn't going to be able to do anything like that. Um, so I just kind of landed in what I'm doing. Um, I find it very interesting and challenging. Um, so that's what I do as a profession, um, okay. kind, of, kind of as like a side passion of mine. Um, I do some pro bono work. I serve on boards for a couple different organizations um, to that focus on helping victims of crime. Nice. Um, one of the organizations is a lawyers group that works with children who are in the foster care system. Um, another group focuses on domestic violence and sexual assault. Um, and I serve on those two boards. I also do things like this. I, I speak on podcasts and I speak, um, I've written some articles and I've done some other like private presentations, um, okay. sharing my story, um, because I feel like this story was given to me to share. Um, and I've, I've found it to be healing for me in sharing it. And I also have had really positive feedback from others um, and how it gives them some hope, uh, just different 
things that I do now um, in terms of keeping my mental health in a good place so I don't fall back to where I was. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm living my life. I'm no longer going through the motions. I'm enjoying my life. Yeah. That's wonderful. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Since 1982, Vital Signs and Graphics has been helping professionals with all their image, logo, and design needs. Perhaps you're looking for signs and banners, truck and trailer lettering, business cards, brochures, or other image and marketing aids, Vital Signs and Graphics in-house design studio has you covered. From logos to apparel, start to finish, Vital Signs and Graphics has everything you need to look and feel professional. Call Rick at 231-652-3300. He'll get you noticed. And now back to Focused on Forward. So uh, actually, you just touched on one of the the questions I wanted to ask you next. So what are you doing now to help your mental state, to help you to keep you moving forward? Um, So a couple different things that I do. I have a couple of friends that are like my accountability buddies. Um, And we just check in with each other daily, um, oftentimes multiple times a day. And we share the good um, because it's always easy to focus on the bad um, or to complain about what isn't going our way. Um, so, but we started this with the idea that we were going to focus on the good in our day because there's always good in the day, no matter how crappy of a day you're having, there's always something that you can find that is a good. Um, and so we really hold each other accountable. Um, that's not to say that we never complain about our days cause we do, we're humans. Sure. Um, but the purpose and, and the goal is to focus on the good and on what we can control. Um, because circumstances are just those, they're circumstances. Mm-hmm. It, it, how you respond to those circumstances is really what makes all the difference. No, I love um, that. And then another thing I do is I take daily gratitude photos. Um, that's something that my mentor kind of got me started doing. And it's a, you know, some days um, I'm like, oh, I forgot to take a picture of a gratitude photo. And I'm like, okay, so what am I grateful for? And it might just be a picture of the book that I'm reading or, um, or the dinner on my plate, or, I mean, it can be, it can be anything. Now, everybody likes to share pictures of their vacation and say that, you know, it's easy to be grateful when you're on vacation or it's easy to be grateful when, you know, there's something to celebrate, but it's in the mundane ordinary days that you need to find something to be grateful for. So I, I take gratitude photos and I share those on Facebook every day and, um, on my personal page. Um, and so that's another thing that I do. Um, and I just, I really try Um, despite everything that I've been through, I consider myself an optimist, um, and just keeping that positive outlook going. Um, it's not, I don't do it perfectly by any means, but, 
um, just overall keeping upbeat and positive about a situation. Excellent. Okay. All right. So, uh, Rhiannon, I have two questions that I like to ask every single guest who's been on my show. Yes. Uh, the first question is looking back over your journey. What is the greatest lesson that you have learned? Mm. It's that's kind of funny. Um, I'm actually writing a book right now. Okay. And my working my working title for it is called Lessons from My Rapist. And it outlines like 10 different lessons that I have learned from my experience. Okay. Um and so I'm trying to think which of those lessons uh, would be my biggest takeaway. Um, I think it's going to be forgiveness is my biggest lesson that I have learned. I have learned a lot about forgiveness. Um, I sure. forgave him. Um, he never apologized or owned up to what he did, but I still forgave him. And that was not because he deserved it. It's not because um, of anything related to him. It was all about me. And again, yes. that's one of those things. It's like what I can control and what I can do for myself and choosing to forgive and not hang on to that angry, bitter pill um, mm -hmm. was one of those things. So I'm going to say that was probably the biggest lesson that I have learned. No, that's good. I think, and I think that's a hard lesson for a lot of people to learn is that forgiveness isn't about the other person. It's, it's about you yes. and, and not allowing that weight of what they did hold you down. Yes. It allows you to be able to move forward, uh, whether exactly. that person des deserves the forgiveness or not. Yeah. So, so awesome. Okay. Uh, second question, very similar. Looking back over your journey, what is the single greatest piece of advice that you were given? Mm, the piece of advice that I was given sure or one that you choose to live by or oh, okay um or you know is it a mantra a life motto something along those lines yeah um I would say it wasn't really one that was given to me but just what I would say is um things will get better and this too shall pass. Mm -hmm. And literally just keep moving forward. Um, okay. Because that's all you can do. Okay. You know, and you know, the thing is that some people may hear that and they may think, well, those are just kind of basic sayings, but there's a lot of power in each one of those if you choose to enable them. They, they are, I mean, they are sayings that we probably all have heard, um, mm -hmm. but there's truth to them if you, yes. if you actually put that into motion. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, there were days in my journey that I just stayed in bed um, and I didn't get out of bed. Um, I didn't want to eat, but Overall, I kept moving forward, and that's what brought me to where I am today, is I didn't give up. Excellent. Uh, so, Rhiannon, if, if people are interested in finding out more about Rhiannon Baker and your story, where can they go to find out more about you? So, I share a lot over on my Instagram page, which is public, 
And okay. my my name on Instagram is my beauty from ashes. My beauty from ashes. Okay. And I'll share that down in the, the program notes when we put this out. So, okay. Rhiannon, thank you so much for, for being a guest on Focused on Forward today. Uh, your story is powerful, to say the least. And I am so happy to see that you have been able to become Focused on Forward and that you are doing great things with your your day and your in your life, uh, no matter what someone else threw at you. So, uh, again, thank you. You're very welcome. All right, guys, that's going to conclude us today for Focused on Forward. Well, that concludes another episode of Focused on Forward. To be a guest of Focused on Forward, you can reach us through Twitter at podcastfof, through our Facebook page named Focused on Forward, or through email focusedonforward at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing each and every one of your stories that has yet to be told. So until then, be safe, be kind, and be loving to one another as you stay focused on Forward.